0: Welcome to Inside and Beyond podcast. My guest today is Dr. John Gray. He is the author of the book Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus. USA Today listed this book as one of the top ten most influential books of the last quarter century, and it was the number one best-selling book of the 1990s. The series of over 20 books has forever changed the way men and women view their relationships. Dr. Grey books are translated into approximately 45 languages in more than 100 countries around the world. John helps men and women better understand and respect their differences in both personal and professional relationships. His approach combines specific communication techniques with healthy nutritional choices that create the brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. John has appeared repeatedly on Oprah as well as on the Dr. Oz show, Today, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, and others. He has been profiled in Time, Forbes, USA Today, and People. He was also the subject of a three hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. Dr. John, it is such an honor and great pleasure for me to welcome you to the show.
1: Uh, Thank you so much, Natalia. Pleasure.
0: Amazing. So let's start with your book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And um, I'm a big fan personally of this book, and uh, it was really an eye-opening experience to me when I read it. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, what was the purpose of the book? How did you get the idea?
1: Well, as a, as a marriage counselor, I would have a man and a woman sitting in my office And over and over, I would see how the woman was misunderstanding him. He had no clue about what she was talking about, what she needed. Uh, And so I categorized what are the major misinterpretations that we commonly have in relationships. And it struck a nerve because so many people felt like I was following them around. And I have to put in the context, not everybody felt that way, mm-hmm. uh, particularly mm-hmm. some people who were not in relationships. Okay. If you're not in a relationship, you don't always understand the misinterpretation between your partner and you. But once you get in a relationship, then you start realizing there's a lot of frustration here. Why? And I kind of explain the the major places where we tend to misinterpret and become frustrated with each other.
0: That's definitely. And did you mean it as a bestseller or was it a byproduct of of you having this book? And also, was it published straight away or you had to spend some time finding a right publisher?
1: Well, definitely I paid my dues to get that book out there. Uh, I wrote a book, almost the same book before that, uh, and then Mm -hmm. rewrote it so that it would be more popular. It was the the book before it was called Men, Women and Relationships. And it was like everything I had learned after nine years of counseling people, everybody's mm-hmm. and teaching classes, uh, nine years on this. And everybody says, you have to put it in a book, you have to put it in a book. And I wasn't so much of a writer or anything. So finally I struggled through, it took me three years for the book, Men, Women and Relationships. And I couldn't get a publisher. Uh, it was a long journey and rejected many times, finally self-published it. And it did really well. It was 50,000 books. And based on that, uh, an agent called me up. I couldn't get an agent either. You know, I was a nobody, but I had nice classes around the country. And anyway, so she said, I can sell this book because on your own, you've sold 50,000 copies. That's quite an achievement. Uh, So Uh, I think I can get you a deal with New York. Back in those days, you didn't have Amazon. You didn't have so many, you didn't have so much self help or self publishing. That was a unique thing. And you sort of had to have a New York publisher to have any clout to get onto the TV shows and the radio shows and so forth. And she said, I can get a New York publisher for you. And I said, great. There was a small publishing house that I worked with to distribute, to distribute my book. And. I told them, good news, New York wants this book. And and they said, good news for you, but not for us. Every time we have a successful book, they sell it to New York. So I decided to be a good guy and say, okay, you can keep the book. I'll write another one. And I was already thinking that I could shorten the book and make it easier for people and just more fun to read. And so in three months, I wrote that book and it's changed my life forever. Uh, I certainly hoped it would be a bestseller. Uh, and it just continued going on. It stayed in hardback for almost seven years just because the sales were so huge all around the world and then went to paperback, and it's still out there, still circulating around.
0: That's phenomenal. And it has definitely changed my life. Um, personally, I know that you had a spiritual journey too. You worked with the guru Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, known for popularizing transcendental meditation. And I also know that you visited a well-known Indian guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, who introduced the Western world to the teachings of Kriya Yoga. Could you tell us more about your journey and did it influence the book?
1: Sure, I can, I can do that. Uh, so just very briefly, I was as a baby, my mother, we lived in Texas. My mother drove to California to be blessed by Yogananda. Uh, my mother had a spiritual bookstore with rather all the esoteric books, gurus and secret societies and religions. And, you know, I live in a pretty far out family. My, my father taught us yoga. We had seven kids, six boys. We were all doing yoga when I was three years old. Uh, and, I used to every morning, not knowing what it was, my mother understood it, but you know, I was just a little kid. I would sit and meditate. Uh, I'd sit next to the floor heater and just sit with blanket around me and go into deep state of meditation. I was uh, kind of a born meditator. I, a funny story is I, at some point my brothers would hog the heater. So I found a spot behind the garage where I dug a hole and I'd sit in that hole. (laughs) (laughs) literally, <laughs> and just sit there and feel feel like I was in the womb or something. But actually, it was a meditative state. I didn't realize that. And so mm-hmm. I had an interesting childhood in that way, mother who was very supportive of that. Uh, then the 60s came along and became a hippie. Uh, after Woodstock, we all got really high on rock and roll and LSD. and But you crash. I mean, you crash big time. And the Maharishi at that time had just the Beatles had just gone to visit India, the Maharishi, and the Maharishi said, you can get high without crashing. Uh, and I thought, that's for me. That's for me. And so I went off to study with the Maharishi. I became his personal assistant. I taught his teacher training programs in Europe. Um, I was a celibate monk for those nine years. Uh, I was a top-level meditator, we'll put it that way, and they did research on my brain. And so I got a kind of enlightenment from that and felt you know, I didn't really need a teacher anymore. The teacher was inside. And, uh, so that draw that I had to him just sort of disappeared. Although we're still good friends or we're still good friends. He's passed on and didn't know what I was going to do, but because I've been celibate for nine years, I thought, well, now I'm going to have sex again. I would interview women before I had sex and ask them what made them happy, what their good experiences were. And I didn't know these things as a man. Uh, Back in those days, there weren't a lot of books explaining how to make great sex. And I wanted to not just have great sex, but enlightened sex, enlightened sexuality. So I could apply everything I learned from my spiritual teachings and everything to sexuality. And the summary of that was uh, the purpose of sex is to make love. And making love is to share and express love. And I still teach that today. Certainly good techniques for sex are there. I see a lot of books all focus on the techniques and increasing pleasure my message back then and still is, uh, the only point of sex is to, unless you're making babies, you want to make babies. Otherwise, the point of it is to experience greater love. And the reason sex can allow you to experience greater love is because it's all designed to stimulate pleasure. And when you're feeling pleasure, you have no resistance. See, everything anti-love is we resist. You know, I, I, be careful. I don't want to talk. To somebody said this about me or I can't say that. So we have these walls around us, but when you're when you're feeling pleasure, you're it's the opposite of resistance, but it's openness. So when you're stimulating pleasure, you don't do it just for the pleasure's sake. That will drain you of your spiritual energy. But the most people don't notice sex is draining uh, because they don't have a lot of spiritual energy. But I certainly did after nine years of celibacy, and then I started having sex. I found that if I had sex. Uh, with someone I didn't deeply love, there was always a some draining of the sexual energy. Uh, and finally, uh, it started becoming clear to me what was going on. But the point of it is when you're feeling all that pleasure, then to express that pleasure through expression of love and caring and acknowledgement, and which is still a part of my message, which is you take the energy, which is the lower body, sexual energy, into the heart, feel the love, and then express the love out loud. Uh, also with celebration and so forth. So that was what I was teaching back then, enlightened sexuality. And then how to sustain that is required outside the bedroom. You have to have good communication yeah. skills. So I was all interested in that. And because I grew up with six brothers, I was nine-year celibate monk with mostly men around me and no sex at that time, that I really knew myself as a man. I have a lot of self-awareness. Most men don't have that. They're more about how do I achieve goals outside, but very introspective. So I could analyze myself and I could understand why uh, men operate the way they operate. And being a counselor, I became a counselor to understand women uh, listening to their experiences. They were really like from another planet, from, from my brothers and from me and so forth. So I was able to explain men to women and explain women to men and it made their relationships easier and so much better and give you hope that okay now I'm I've been going in the wrong direction here let me try this other direction and many many times it can help so menifer mars explains how those differences tend to show up with couples when the man is more on his male side the woman's more on her female side Because the world has changed and women are so much more independent, sometimes they're on their male side. So I wrote another book, which I think you'll love as well. It's called Beyond Mars and Venus. So what happens in relationships when they're not as traditional, where the woman is more the provider or the woman is more independent? How can she come back to her female side? And when men are not able to, you know, there's these guys are 40 years old and they don't want to make a commitment. They're never satisfied with a woman. That's because they're all on their female side. They're looking to a woman to make them happy rather than looking to their work and their their character and their actions to make them happy
0: that's so very true i can definitely speak from my own experience that i sometimes feel i'm on the male side and i definitely feel that so many men experience the female side and don't know how to deal with that so what would be then i understand there are multiple techniques to kind of get in touch better with your female or male side What would be the key ones out of those? Let's say if I am a woman and I feel like I'm on the male side, how do I get in touch with my feminine side more?
1: The primary hormone that makes us masculine as opposed to the hormones that make us feminine. And this all happens with our chromosomes. There's the Y chromosome, there's the sex differentiation chromosomes, and the Y chromosome gives 23 genes, that's it, that are different in a man than a woman. I mean, we've got 20,000 genes, right? But there's key mm-hmm. genes that, that make sort of, and make men inverted to females in certain ways. And it, particularly it shows up with, uh, sex organs, of course. But the, the way it shows up is the hormones that regulate the sex organs. So. Evolution-wise, these are the most important hormones to motivate us because we're you know evolution stops if we're no longer motivated to have sex with each other. Uh, an interesting study of, of rats—not that we're rats, but we can learn a little bit from them—is they they had several years. They put these rats in a in a city of rats where they gave them everything they needed, so there was no danger, there was no scarcity, and after a couple of generations, all of the males became homosexual and the females didn't want to have sex anymore. And so they didn't have babies. The females were all into how they look. <laughs> so it, it's a little, you know, the attraction between male and female seems to be diminishing in the world today, again, because we don't have, to a certain extent, we have everybody doing things for us. You know, the government does so much for us and, and there's so many programs to help us. And, you know, in America, if, if a woman's got a boyfriend and they have a son or daughter, uh, she gets government money as long as she doesn't stay married. I mean, <laughs> so there's a lot of incentives <laughs> to keep us from committing. Prior to the, to, prior to birth control, uh, sex was a serious matter. It was a life and death matter. You make babies out of it. And, uh, so men were highly motivated to get married, highly motivated to make a commitment, to pledge, to earn a woman's love and approval just because he needed sex. <laughs> I mean, they were desperate for sex. What do I have to do for sex? And and uh so we had to really respect the woman. What did she need? What was going on? We don't have that today. We have casual sex. And so women have lost a huge amount of respect from men. And when they lost that respect, then they found the respect by becoming like men. So if I make a lot of money and I'm accomplished and I've got degrees and I can do this, then they get respect that way. But at the same time, their female side's not getting the respect that it needs as well. So, when, that's a basic thing of hormones. So, biologically, our hormones are very, very different in terms of our well-being. For a man, a simple little formula here: men, generally speaking, need ten times more testosterone than a woman makes in order to feel good and for a romantic relationship or to be selfless. Uh, he needs 20 times more, okay? And so, oh, wow. so what we're do is, what bumps up a man's testosterone? What can he do? What can she do? And ironically, what bumps up his testosterone are all the techniques I taught, and men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I didn't understand hormones there. I just knew what worked. And now then later on, we find out that men have a greater need for testosterone stimulation. Women have a greater need for estrogen stimulation women's estrogen levels when she's experiencing well-being are generally about 10 times higher than a man's. So, And for her to be romantic and to actually have orgasms, it needs to double. So she needs 20 times more estrogen than a man to experience romantic attraction. Okay, so that's a, a simple thing. You can look it up on the internet. It's quite easy to see the basic differences in our hormones. Then you can see that uh, another interesting dynamic here is when they do these big studies on men's testosterone levels, they see that the, the men for their age who have the highest testosterone are single men. And then mm-hmm. the next level down are men who are in a committed relationship. And the next level down is married men. So once you get married, if you're a man, your testosterone on average drops. Now mine didn't, but it does on average. We're looking at averages here, right? Cause there's a lot of exceptions. Mm-hmm. Then when he has children, they drop again. So generally speaking, the men with the lowest testosterone have children and even lower than that is grandfathers. Now I'm a grandfather, five grandchildren, 71 years old. My testosterone levels are 50% higher than when I was a young man. So this is, oh, wow. this is. Why? Because I have relationship skills that I'm very conscious about in my relationship. But most important, I'm very conscious of not producing too much estrogen. See, estrogen, whenever a man does what he likes to do and enjoys to do, fun, I'm going to have fun, play a video game, go online, do porn or something, feels good. That's estrogen stimulating. Huge estrogen. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And... Porn would will, will, will produce testosterone, a surge of it, and it'll crash down and estrogen will go up. Anytime that you're depending on something outside yourself to make you happy, estrogen goes up. That's why women are more conscious of their need for relationship than men. In a relationship, you're depending on your partner to a certain extent to make you happy, to see you, to care for you, to back you up, to acknowledge you, to say you're beautiful. You know, all these things that we all would like to have, women are more aware of their dependence on that. Men are more aware of instinctively, I have to be able to do something in order to get that love. I have to accomplish, I have to achieve, I have to make money, I have to get this done, uh, I have to be strong. It's what he has to do, be and do, that makes him worthy of love. So that's always going to be his first priority if he's on his male side. When you're on your female side, your first priority is, where can I get what I need? Okay. So mm-hmm. I want to be, a woman wants to be beautiful. I need to make sure my hair looks good. I need to have outfits on. I have cosmetics. I have fashion. These are all things that women will spend more money on than men. Okay. Also big one is therapy or uh, counseling. 90% of the people who go to counselors are women and, and women will go to doctors, even when they're not sick. Uh, men always wait to the last minute. But when a woman can go in a situation where she can depend on someone to give her something that she needs, her estrogen levels go up. Just visiting a doctor may be more valuable than what the doctor even does for you. Okay? It's just it's the, it's the act act of feeling I can depend on someone, they're there for me. So those are those are sort of the distinction. Now if we we take this hormonal difference and we look at some of the ideas that Mars, is even when a couple is in a bit of role reversal, it's still very frustrating to understand. A man, he will tend to, when he's stressed, okay, when he's stressed, challenged in some way, he will detach. That's called low level stress. So let's say I'm having a conversation with your partner and you're, maybe you're complaining a little bit or saying something that is a little threatening to him. Instantly he'll detach. And you kind of go, what happened? What's going on? Is he mad at me? He's not mad at you. He's just like considering, why is she saying that to me? What does it mean? Or do I really have to do something? Am I I make a mistake? So just a little pondering. What will happen is he needs a little burst of testosterone to handle that. Okay. Because testosterone Mm -hmm. keeps you as a man from being upset. One of the things that can increase testosterone is to listen to somebody and not talk too much unless you're solving a problem. So what psychology done today is it convinced women that the solution to all your problems is to get a man to talk. But actually, the solution to all your problems is to get a man who will listen to you while you talk. He might talk a little bit, but most men, they, they tend to want to always solve problems because that's what produces testosterone. See, if I can solve a problem and be acknowledged for it and anticipate success. So whenever a man anticipates, I can be successful. I can be helpful. I can make a difference testosterone goes up. Now, keep in mind, as I say this, that's true for women too, okay? It's just that testosterone doesn't lower a woman's stress level. Mm -hmm. Testosterone lowers a man's stress level. Estrogen lowers a woman's stress level. So if a woman is stressed, what will happen? Her estrogen levels will start to drop. At that time, the first stage of stress for a woman is eight times more blood flow (laughs) in the brain to the emotional memory. So suddenly you're, you're, you're thinking everything that can go wrong. And the process, the way you counter that, if you do it well, is to talk about what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and that stimulates estrogen. So that was the number one mistake in men are from Mars. I'd say to men, men, you know, women needs to, women need to talk about their feelings, what they're thinking. It's a high value thing for them. And men don't realize that they're not helping when they interrupt you or, you know, they, they get to the point and tell me what we have to do and what does this mean? He offers a suggestion or he does this other thing where he minimizes, which is in a sense, offensive to her, uh dismissive of her. It doesn't work. He's trying to help, but he'll often go, it's not a big deal. Oh, well, that's silly. Oh, you can't be serious. And Because see, I could do that with another man and he would like it. See, men, men, mm-hmm. men by nature, if they're on their masculine side, will minimize things. Men, no big deal. That's our, that's our motto. No big deal. So you can apply that concept. If you want a man to listen to you, you can start by saying, you know, I just want to talk for a few minutes, maybe five minutes. Immediately he'll go, Oh, I can do that. As opposed to this could go on forever. That's first thing. Then you would say something like, and it's not a big deal, but I just want to share what's going on. I like to connect with you. Then he'll be there for five minutes, eventually 10 minutes, maybe even longer, full attention. And because he needs to be thinking, I'm doing something by not mm-hmm. doing something. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's a little paradoxical. Yeah. So you have to give him sort of a role. I just need you to listen. You don't have to say anything. Actually, for a few minutes, I prefer you not say anything. Then he'll really listen in there. So that's one of the ideas I've been from Mars. And I expand it more in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, which is talking about the hormones. But so the idea in Men From Mars is, look, you need to ask questions. So for the guys listening, here are the questions. Help me understand that better. You'd say to her or you say, oh, tell me more. Or you say, well, what else? These are just just ask questions, show interest and don't interrupt her and don't get upset with her. If you get upset, you lose everything. OK, you're getting points while you're listening and if you get upset. You lose a ball mm-hmm. uh, and, and arguing. What men have to know, and I think it's very helpful for men, is the recognition that when you're angry as a man and you talk, you will only get angrier. What's happening in a man's body is when he talks about, he's frustrated about something she said, or he gets a little angry about it. If he starts talking at that moment, his estrogen levels will rise, and that pushes his testosterone down. And then eventually he will pull away. Because when men pull Mm -hmm. away, and the reason we pull away is when we're connecting with you, we're making estrogen. But when we're making estrogen, we're not making testosterone if we're not feeling successful. Now, say, I can connect with you. Like right now, I'm connecting with you. I'm feeling connection. But I also know I'm anticipating success. You're smiling. You're nodding your head. So I'm like right in there. Now, if suddenly there was some opposition, then... I, w- I wouldn't anticipate if I'm not gonna anticipate success, my testosterone would start to go down,
0: yeah, definitely it was a very powerful idea that I definitely agree with you know I need to talk to reduce my stress and I don't need someone to solve problems for me whereas men's men are different and um uh I like that you brought it up this idea of men sort of returning to his cave uh while women want to talk, but my question is how do we Feel this line between a man just going to the cave to fulfill his testosterone levels, and when they actually getting distant from us because the relationship is not working.
1: Some men go to the cave, but they don't rebuild their testosterone. There's a mm-hmm. biological response to distance from their partner, but some men go to their cave. So I, I write about what men need to do in the cave. Uh, it's really and. and Women need to understand how to respond to men going to his cave. Remember what it, what increases testosterone is the anticipation of success. So if I have the belief in my head, which a lot of men do, that if I withdraw in the relationship, my partner is going to be mad at me. So therefore I'm stuck in the cave because I can't anticipate success when I'm ready to come out. This is a really tricky thing. I remember at one point my marriage with Bonnie where she said, we were in the middle of a little bit of an argument and I said, look, I need to think about this because I never talk. If I'm angry, if I'm starting to get angry, I said, look, I just need to think about this. We'll talk tomorrow at 12 and, and postpone it. And I would, and I come back and talk about it. And when I came back to talk about what's going on and first I have a, a kind of a, uh, a, we have a a ritual of when I've been in the cave for a while, I let her know I'm not mad at her by just coming in and kind of stroking her hair, offering to help let her see that I'm friendly and nice again. Because it's shocking to a woman when he just completely disappears. I mean, emotionally, there's just a disconnect. And it's not about her. It could have been triggered by her. It could have been my work or anything else. But in this situation, it was a little bit of an argument with us. And when I came back, I stroked her hair. And I said, you want to talk about that again? And she says, first of all, I want to thank you. I said, for what? I said, thank you for protecting me from your dragon. (laughs) (laughs) And that has such an impact on me. Because there was no longer, it was clear in her mind, even though I wrote a book on it, but there was clear in her mind that men going to their cave wasn't a bad thing. I wasn't a bad guy for doing that. Because even though we understood these things, it was t- taking time for it really to sink in. Uh, one time we were uh, moving an aunt, her aunt, from Southern California to Northern California, and she had Parkinson's and she was deaf and she was close to dying. We're going to take care of her. So it took a week to move all of her up. So everybody can imagine the amount of stress a couple would go through doing all this stuff together. You know, it was just hard work. Finally, we get back. It's kind of like, oh, now we can relax. And as soon as we soon are ready to relax, it was done. I told her, I'm going to go play basketball with my friends. That's called cave time, guide time. Mm-hmm. And she said, but we haven't had any time together. And of course, a part of me inside chuckles because... We just spent seven, 24 hours a day, seven days together. But I also knew what she means is we haven't had any quality time together where we weren't just out stressed out working on something. And I said to her, I know, I know you want to spend, we want to have good time together and I just can't do it right now. I just need to go play basketball and tomorrow I'll make a special date. Just know that I'm going to take you out. And she was not happy with that because part of her was not, trusting that this was really going to happen. She was taking it personally, of course. And she didn't say anything about the next day. And I said, honey, we're going to go so-and-so to Green's Restaurant, your favorite one. And I got it all scheduled. And it was like that helped her to go, oh, he really, really did need that yes. time with his friends so that he could be there for me. Uh, because a man needs to have that time to regenerate himself. That would be cave time. Now, some men don't. Some men could just play video games. and. Uh, there's nothing meaningful in that there's uh, unless your your career is to become a gamer. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, most men, when they, today they, a lot of them will just do porn during that time and, and that will make them feel good. But if they're depending on something outside themselves for their pleasure, they're not actually doing anything. So they actually end up with more estrogen and now they're stuck in their cave, maybe more. Uh, so cave time, I list out really good cave time activities. Uh, which are health healthy, you know, go drive your car, go solve some problems. Uh, uh, meditate is my favorite one, uh, but I'm more of a sedentary person. My, my expertise is meditation, but do something you're expert at. Do something you're good at. Uh, go to the gym, use your muscles, uh, particularly if you're a mesomorph body type. That's men who have wider shoulders and more muscle mass. They have to use physical, they have to use their muscles. Using their muscles will burn up the adrenaline and convert it back into dopamine. It's our biology Mm -hmm. as such. We need to physically do something or mentally solve problems that are productive, have meaning to them. Then our testosterone is boosted. It also can just be running errands and doing something like that for our partner. That's what my wife would do whenever I was in my cave for a while. Uh, She'd say, honey, would you go to the grocery store and pick up some cauliflower? I want to make cauliflower soup. That's one example. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. Can't you just make a mushroom soup from from the cans? And she goes, no, no, we got guests coming. It'll be so nice if you get the cauliflowers. All right, all right, I'll go. And see, she knows that when a man's sort of in his cave, he's going to be resistant to what you say. But you can pull him out. See, you can pull him out of the cave. If you disapprove of his cave time, you're causing him to stay in longer. But you sometimes you need Mm -hmm. to pull him out. Because sitting in the cave can feel good. I can watch the news and that's a big cave time for me. I just need to zone out, think about other people's problems, not my own. Because for a man, a lot of his testosterone production is forgetting about what he can't do. That's a hard thing for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, women remember what they do. And biologically, this is true. You have eight times more blood flow to the memory when there's adrenaline being produced. Men have disconnection. Now, I know you asked the question, which is, He's in his cave. Well, how do you know the relationship's just not working? Well, you don't know. You, you gotta, you gotta wait till he comes out of the cave. And, hmm. and you have to, the good thing about my books is they explain the mystery of men, of explaining what you could have said or done that upset him that made him go to his cave. Cause it can be, I'm in my cave because she wasn't appreciating me. And now that's a relationship issue. Most men aren't able to say what's going on and they'll just sort of stay stuck in the cave. So the, the, that's where you need skills to pull them out of the cave, because men do tend to lighten up about stuff without having to talk about it. Just keep that in mind. We can lighten up without having to talk, and we lighten up by you requesting something of us. Uh, would you do this for me? Would you help me with this? Or oh, I'm needing this. And Give him a job to do that's pretty easy and then appreciate him for it, and suddenly he forgets what's going on in the relationship. And some men on their female side, because it's happening today, they'll be really hard to, to deal with, you know, when he's more talkative about feelings than you are, uh, that a lot of women say that happens. And the solution to that is you've got to out female him. So if he's talking like he's sad sack, oh, this happened, I don't know if I can do this and so and so said to me, it's really a turnoff when men do that, women tell me. And, and what you have to do at those times is out female him which is don't listen too much, but just say, oh, I can see why you think that. Uh I can see why you feel that after that. Then immediately go into something about your life. You need to outdo him. You need to share your frustrations and your sorrows and your concerns. And And then he goes into you rather than you going into him. That's the right balance mm-hmm. here to produce the hormones we're talking about.
0: That's super, super interesting. So just so I understand, um, there is a quality cave time and there is non-so-quality cave time. And a quality of cave time means that uh, a man is focusing on solving a problem and doing something for himself, by himself, as opposed to be dependent on others. Now, you mentioned that video games is not a quality cave time. But then you also mentioned that uh, news watching is your quality time, which is also not really focusing on yourself. You're kind of solving problems of others. It's it's
1: another strategy. It's forgetting your own problems by hearing other people's problems. And
0: what about video games then? Maybe they are forgetting about their problems. Here's the
1: issue with it. There's another dynamic other than just testosterone here. And that's the dynamic of dopamine. Mm. Okay, so dopamine is an addictive brain chemical. Uh, If you take cocaine, you produce a lot of dopamine. Moderate dopamine is healthy, right? Video games hook you in by stimulating more and more dopamine. The news hooks me in by stimulating more and more dopamine. But you have to put a, a and that then raises testosterone without a doubt. But if something's, if something at a certain point, your testosterone is going up, but you're experiencing so much pleasure, pleasure by playing this game, now your estrogen levels are going up. Now that's called an addiction.
0: Mm.
1: Addiction. Is I'm depending on, let's say, take cocaine. It's a real simple one. I depend on cocaine to make me feel alive. It makes me feel great. That's because it's producing more dopamine than, than having sex. Yep. All right. Yep. So, okay. So it's, it's an unrealistic level of dopamine. Now, when that big bright light of dopamine comes in chemically induced that porn also does that, by the way, it's also, uh, a, it's not reality. It's fake. Mm-hmm. It's all fake. So it's not a real person. She doesn't love you. She doesn't care about you. Any of that. So it's all fake. Fake is dangerous. Fake produces dopamine. Uh, cocaine produces dopamine. But when you have this high dopamine, dopamine is like a bright light shining into a, a neuron in the brain. Now, what happens when the sunlight goes into your eyes? Your pupils will constrict and get really little. Well, when you, when you take cocaine, 30% of your dopamine receptors, which is your potential to feel good, after you got that big blast of light, they, they disappear. They curl into themselves like little flowers. They close down 30%. So your ability to experience pleasure and aliveness is now, uh, only 70% of what it could be. Mm-hmm. So you lost 30% mm-hmm. of your potential to be happy for a few days. That's the recovery period afterwards. With cocaine, it can take a couple of months before you can actually come back and you'll go through withdrawal symptoms. So the high dopamine of a, a video game produces addiction so that now his girlfriend is boring. Mm-hmm. Nothing can compete with that. Same thing with porn. Now, the another beautiful idea of men are from Mars is men are like rubber bands mm-hmm. and that we pull away when we pull away. If we pull away and we're not, and we're rebuilding our testosterone, we will now get horny and we'll spring back. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you will become more interesting to us. You will be more motivated to spend time with you, whether it's horny or not. It's just because not everything is about sex, but for teenagers, for younger people, it <laughs> is about sex. or Sexual attraction, we'll put that way, sexual magnetism. So, But interest, he's interested. Just to back up on my point, you can look at a married couple who's no longer having sex, and you'll see them in a restaurant, and they're not looking at each other at all. And then you see the man who's looking at his partner with full interest. That means they're dating okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's new, it's different, it's producing a lot of dopamine, new and different, and that raises his testosterone, and it raises a woman's estrogen. That's why relationships have so much passion in the beginning because there's newness. Newness will go away. For sure. Familiarity will set in. So then suddenly couples stop feeling that attraction. Now, with my method and what I'm teaching and why mine are so high is The relationship itself can produce testosterone and estrogen in women, testosterone in men without depending upon dopamine. Mm -hmm. So I don't need new and different, a new and different partner, whatever. Matter of fact, I can't even imagine being a different partner than my partner. I mean, it would be such a letdown. There's so much love and so much connection, so much estrogen, but also so much testosterone because I get messages. I make a difference with her. You know, she's constantly using. Uh, little things to start with here for the women is you're with dating a guy and married to a guy. Whenever you have a chance, say something along the lines of that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's a testosterone booster. What a good idea. You know, you sure you sometimes you're really funny. Uh, I, I really admire that you did that. Uh, you have been so helpful. I don't know if I could have done this without your help. <laughs> uh, oh, you're right. All those, all those little uh, emotional expressions of acknowledgement, and I'm not saying a man can't do that for a woman, but more importantly for a woman is something that will boost her estrogen. All of those statements acknowledge his value, his worth, and what he contributes to you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I know a lot of women are like, "Well, I want to, I want all that," but that's because they're looking to their male side for their sense of worth, and th- that's okay but they need to look to their female side to get their sense of worth. And that grows when people respect you. And people respect you when you set boundaries and you make requests. You let them know what you want and when they don't get what you want, you have a neutral reaction, but you don't allow somebody to get angry with you, for example. Uh, or if he's ignoring you, you then make a request, but you do it in a way where he doesn't feel shamed or criticized that it's a complaint, Like, oh, you haven't talked to me in days. Why are you so busy with your work? That all just, that just knocks his testosterone down as opposed to, I know you're working really hard and I miss you sometimes. Let's, let's spend some extra time tonight. Let's spend 20 minutes playing this game and or or let's schedule a date You just, it's key with men is asking a nice way as opposed to complaint. You see, every complaint is a request, Mm -hmm. but it's just a a poor form. it, It just doesn't work. Complaints don't work. Uh, maybe with the government and demonstrating you <laughs> might have an effect, but with your partner, the government doesn't love you. Your partner loves you. So you don't want to, that makes it harder for them to respond to a complaint. You know, I'm doing my best here, even though you may not think that. So you turn a request and, and, and a short period of time, here's a way to, uh, to make a request, I give you the dynamics. For many, many years, Bonnie would say, uh, you always, you always forget, you always leave the lights on in the living room. Can't you remember to turn the lights out? So that was our little pet peeve. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships are filled with these little little things that happen over and over, and it just didn't change. You know, I would try to remember, but I would forget, and she'd be upset, and she'd look at me, and put her hands on her hips. I can't believe you! I can't. You know, she's, it's, our electric bill was so high, and uh, you know, all this story all comes across as I'm not good enough. One day she poked her head in, and it all changed. One day, actually three times, and I was turning out the light. And what was it? She changed her complaint, our complaining attitude, into a request, a loving request. And so she poked her head into the kitchen, and I was making a sandwich, and she smiled. Women have the ability to make little things big. Little successes can be big. Little problems can be big. There's two sides of it. But she smiled at me, and she said, honey, with a smile. And I completely got my attention. She said, I've noticed you've been turning out the light lately. And I'm like, again, I've been acknowledged because I'm always trying. Mm -hmm. It's just not perfect that I noticed you've been turning out the light lately. And I wanted to remind you how much I love it. And it's not a big deal, but sometimes you still forget and then walked out of the room. Interesting. You see see how that worked? You see the whole, it's just so refreshing. And even she could have said, and I want to remind you, that you're still forgetting. No, no, I wanted to remind you how good it makes me feel. And it's not a big deal. That's another magic phrase. Whenever, whenever you want a guy to listen to, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Even though you think it is a big deal, just, it's not a big deal. I just need to talk about this. I really just want you to listen for a while and consider it. See, these are all soft messages. So he's not going to get his testosterone knocked down. Mm. And this is more sensitive today than ever because men's testosterone levels are so much lower than ever before. We take things more personally. Our estrogen levels are much higher. If you look at the average 20 year old, compared his testosterone levels to the average 20 year old 20 years ago, it's 20% less. Oh, wow. 20% less. And, this is crazy. and that, what it was 20 years ago was way less than what it used to be. I mean, if you look at these pictures of the guys who worked on the railroads, <laughs> I mean, they said like, you know, look at these guys at the Spartans, see those movies of the Spartans. I mean, they live in the dirt, you know, and they don't complain. They don't whine. They, they used to have these big battles and men didn't even feel pain in those days. They, they'd be blood all over the place. They'd fight the next day. It's amazing how, how men have softened up. Now softening up is a good thing, but too much softening up is not a good thing.
0: Interesting. Find
1: the balance. Define the balance.
0: So essentially, you're saying that, um, for men to get their testosterone boosted, we need to provide them with acknowledgement. And for women to get their estrogen boosted, then we need to establish healthy boundaries. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. Ha- woman, what she can do and men have to respect healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and what men have to do as well is demonstrate acts of caring and if he doesn't she needs to set a boundary not make a big deal out of it but make a request Mm -hmm. see it's always Mm -hmm. making the request of letting him know what you like and know that it's the art of receiving yeah the person who is good at receiving doesn't get upset when they don't get what they want but they ask again
0: definitely it just seems to me that it's always required to be so patient when you're a woman you have to you know consider this you have to be patient you have to ask him many times and you have to make sure that you're not complaining but you also uh, need to persist in asking and then uh, on the other on the other hand I may also appreciate when a man would tell me something acknowledging and I understand that it may be my male side speaking but I just cannot it's just Difficult for me to imagine that just setting my boundaries would get me my estrogen levels and I will be happy just by doing that.
1: Well, it's not just that. It's not just that. And the more you get what you want in a relationship, it won't feel difficult to be patient. Mm. Okay. Patience is, I mean, I waited two, three years before I got a publisher, you know, and then a whole year went by before I was on the bestseller list. I just kept persisting, picking myself back up, persisting, success in, on the outer world is a, is a process of patience and success on the inner, the relationship world is a process of patience. Patience is golden. It's a beautiful spiritual quality, but it's a losing mentality. If you don't have the skill, mm-hmm. Okay, you got to have the mm-hmm. skill of letting go of the resentment. Women have a, a issue for women is resentment comes up. Well, I'm working so hard here. He's not. Okay. So yep. there's that resentment that yep. comes up. And that's why my books can be helpful, which give you, well, maybe my strategies to get what I want, just like in the workplace, you have to have strategies to get what you want. Relationships, you have to have strategies. And it, it, maybe my strategies are wrong and I need to learn a new one. And then the process of learning a new one is tedious. You know, it's like learning a computer is crazy until you learn it and it's real easy. So it, it becomes second nature after a while. But in the beginning, it's it's tough. You know, when the guy goes to his cave, women will often say, well, what am I supposed to do? He's just deserted me. He's gone. And that's, that's a good thing that he does that because then that reminds you that you need to get a life that's not dependent on him. The best relationship is when a woman is happy and fulfilled in her life because she has her work. She has her children or she has her pets. She has her garden. She has her friends. She has her spiritual process. She has games she likes to play. She has places she likes to go. So you have a whole life. It's not dependent on a man because the tendency of sex, see, sex does produces more estrogen than anything. And sex is a bonding hormone. So when you get the taste of the ecstasy of sex, hopefully it's that way, but you get a taste of that. What happens is you bond to the man stronger than all the other things in your life.
0: Yeah. Oxytocin. And that's not
1: healthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. oxytocin as well. It's actually the estrogen that bonds, mm-hmm. but oxytocin mm-hmm. raises estrogen. Oxytocin is wonderful. It's the safety, which then allows you to depend on someone and then you bond. And there's also the oxytocin there as well. But the, the whole idea there is we become unhealthy individuals whenever we become too dependent on any one aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. And so men mm-hmm. are kind of a safety factor. Which is well, we won't get too dependent. We're going to pull away. If we get too dependent, we'll pull away, and that frees you to go. Okay, I'm unhappy now. What do I have to do to be happy? And that's where you focus on other things. Mm-hmm. So you're not just sitting there waiting for him to change.
0: Yeah, because.
1: It's a balance. Everything in, in life is about finding that balance and, and we help each other to find
0: yeah, it. Yeah. It. it sounds so simple, but yet it's so difficult sometimes. My next. It's mastering
1: life. You know, life is a big, a big puzzle. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. Um, my next question would be like, we have discussed that it's healthy for men to have high testosterone levels and for women have high estrogen levels. Now, what if? A man has more estrogen and a woman has more testosterone. Is it healthy, the relationship like this, or is it
1: not? Well, let me just say the facts. Okay, here are the facts. First of all, I'm not saying high testosterone. I'm saying normal testosterone. Mm -hmm. Okay, just normal. Mm -hmm. Okay, every man has his normal testosterone levels. Uh, If a man's testosterone level spikes too high and he doesn't have confidence, see, confidence is normal confidence, he has, I feel confident I can solve this problem His and he's in danger, his testosterone will go much higher. And as long as he maintains confidence at that high level, everything's good. But typically, that's when men become aggressive, because they lose their confidence, their testosterone that went really high, will now convert into estrogen, and he will become fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Fight or flight Mm -hmm. is anger or fear. That's going to be, he's going to go into that. That's his female side is the emotion. So his estrogen levels are now surging. And that's when, when he will become angry or whatever that means for a man, he's starting to move too far to his female side because he's losing his testosterone. That's his confidence. Now for a woman, if she was to have high estrogen and she doesn't have any testosterone, let's put it that way. What happens for her is she will, uh, she will have, uh, anxiety neurosis. That's not the only cause of anxiety neurosis. It was actually 5,000 years ago prescribed. It was called hysteria. <laughs> She's being hysterical. She's being hysterical. Nothing she says is logical. And if she has to make a decision, she says it's too much and she faints. <laughs> this really did happen, but it only happened with wealthy women. <laughs> is it, see the a status symbol in the ancient days? was that a wealthy woman did not know work. She had no work to do and people did things for her all the time. So she never had to do anything. So that when you do things, responsibility like being a mother and taking care of your children rather than having your maids do it and, you know, cooking meals, being responsible rather than everything done for you. When everything is done for you, your estrogen levels can go too high. Yeah. And that creates yeah. a, a problem, but that's not a problem for women today. It's very rare. Uh, the problem for women today is they're on their male side. Now being on their male side, is that wrong? It's not wrong. It's just that if she's doesn't have a way to balance her testosterone with her estrogen, then she'll be infertile. And, you know, almost 40% of women today are infertile. Hmm. Uh, they can't get pregnant. Hmm. And that's primarily, primarily you could look at it from different directions, but they're not making enough estrogen to get pregnant. Uh, they're, And There can be other dynamics to go with that. A big part of that is a deeper cause of it is is cortisol, the stress hormone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Research on stress hormone in women, at least it was done. Actually, this was old research. I I don't know. It's been done since, but around the year 2000, when women were, uh, feminism was trying to prove itself. And they said that, look, the workplace is not a friendly place for women. And they measured that the workplace a woman in the workplace working with men, their women's stress levels were doubled, uh, twice as high as a man's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So suddenly her stress levels are higher. And then when she comes home, her stress level doubled again. Mm-hmm. And a man's stress level went down as he went home. Uh, this is typically because men's brains are designed to forget the work world. It's hard for women to forget mm-hmm. when they're on their male mm-hmm. side. They're solving all these problems. But it's only their female side that they have to come back to to lower their stress level. Uh, what you so what you see hormonally is when a woman is experiencing stress hormones, uh, her testosterone levels will be up, but her estrogen is down. That's the main thing. That's testosterone same. high testosterone woman, generally speaking, not a problem. If you have something called CPSO, uh, I think CPOS. Uh, anyway, so uh, it's called estrogen dominance that's that happens in the second part of her period where she has estrogen dominance and it's not that her estrogen is too high it's that her progesterone isn't high enough Mm. and progesterone goes down when women are making too much testosterone to sustain healthy progesterone levels since women have more balancing has to take place but when the body makes testosterone in a woman uh, it uses up progesterone And after ovulation, progesterone levels need to become higher than your estrogen levels. You still need estrogen. What generates that, just so you know, uh, is uh, doing things that you really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So when you enjoy doing something, that's your progesterone. And to a certain extent, you're dependent on somebody else, but you're not fully dependent on them. You're doing what you enjoy doing and you're dependent on them. So you may not enjoy going to see your doctor, but you're dependent on them. So that feels good Mm -hmm. Your estrogen. But there's another aspect of more like, what do I like to do in my life? I'm in charge of my life. So that's that's doing things that you enjoy doing. That's your progesterone. But as soon as you don't enjoy it and you feel it's a burden, your progesterone literally converts into testosterone. Mm -hmm. Just as for a man, when he has high testosterone, if he doesn't have confidence, which is cool, calm, and collected, then his testosterone converts into estrogen and he becomes aggressive fight or flight. Uh, they see this with men who take steroids this is his testosterone. Basically they have testosterone injected into them. Then if they're in a traffic jam, then they become, you know, this really, really aggressive yeah. <laughs> male rage or whatever it's called. Uh, and that's actually the, the, the testosterone converting into estrogen. Mm. So mm. we basically, we, we, you ask the question is, you know, is it wrong for women to have testosterone? No, you need that. That's a good thing. That's great for sex too. It makes you, helps you to desire sex, which is a whole nother thing. I help couples understand is many times women are not in the mood for sex, but if you practice foreplay together with no goal, then what happens is their estrogen levels will start rising through non-pressured, uh, pleasuring each other, uh, kissing and hugging and touching and, That will raise her estrogen at a certain point, the way a woman's biology is such. When estrogen goes higher and higher, then her testosterone will go up. And that's where she goes, oh, this was feeling really good. Oh, I really want to have sex. Mm. And now she wants sex. And the dynamic there is for men not to be in such a hurry to give it a time to find the part of it that wants it. And you do that by having non goal oriented foreplay and loving each other. And then gradually she kicks into gear and wants it. And that adds another dimension to her sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. is wanting it. And also makes a man feel really good when she's wanting it as well.
0: Of course. Thank you. It's a fascinating dynamics between the testosterone, like between all the hormones, essentially. So it's. It
1: is. It's very fascinating. And it doesn't have to, the first time for something may be a little complicated. So I keep it very simple. Estrogen activities just need to be a major part of a woman's life where she feels I have support, I have time, I have money, I have people, I have caring, I have different nurturing activities I do. That's estrogen. And testosterone is I can achieve my goals and so forth. And like you said, you want to be acknowledged. What a great idea. And there's ways to acknowledge a woman which also produces a lot of estrogen as well. This is one of my favorites and you can do it over and over guys, which is after (laughs) she's stressed out, you can say to her, honey, you do so much for so many people. I just want to give you a hug. Just simply the acknowledgement of what she does.
0: I definitely agree to that. And all the men listening to this, please uh, make notes. (laughs) Another big idea of your book is giving scores, uh, is that genders give scores differently. Like for instance, for women, Every act that man makes is just, you know, one point. Whereas for men, if they do something big for you, they mentally think that it's worth twenty points, and then they can relax for for the for the time being. Whereas for women, it's just one act, and it's just one point, and it becomes unfair in the women's mind to see how little they men do for them because they think that it's just worth one point. How? Do we also keep the balance? How do we make sure that, you know, our score is even and this resentment is not building up?
1: Well, I don't have to repeat it all because you said it so nicely, but that's the concept that meant from Mars. And it all comes down to, uh, I have to repeat a little bit of what you said so beautifully, but it's on Venus, every act of love scores one point. So she's busy doing little things for him all the time. She's worrying about him and she gets her point for that. You know, she's picking up after him or she, she's remembering him. She's doing, you know, preparing things for him. Maybe she's going to make dinner for him. Oh, you can make dinner. She goes to the restaurant and she she says, oh, they've got your favorite salad here. And she gives herself a point. So every women are really are expressing a lot more love than guys are. We do our focus is primarily on the outer world. And then we want to bring home the goods. So see, this is, I love you so much. I made all this money. That should be a hundred points. Uh, Or, or, oh, I'm supposed to be romantic. Okay, I'm going to bring you 50 roses, 50 roses. That's in his mind, 50 points. Mm -hmm. But for a woman Mm -hmm. on a biological level, every act of love stimulates a little estrogen, a little more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So think of it as one point. So what to do? Well, men have to be educated. And the way the way you find the balance is, two ways. One is women, uh, when you find that you're starting to feel a little resentment, stop doing so much for him because mm-hmm. you're just going to feel more and more resentment. So that's part of it. Okay. So you, you can't just keep scoring points for yourself while he's just <laughs> he's only getting his point every day. Uh, this is a disaster. So you have to back off with that so that you don't build up resentment, but more importantly, you have to let him know, honey, I know you love me, but I like to hear it every day, at least once. Either you could say "I love you," or you could say "You look so beautiful." You could say "I miss you." Those are three phrases you could say.
0: That's that's true. But then you want him to know it by himself. You know, it, it it's not. As... Well, that's
1: that's that's where you don't understand women. The women don't understand men. So I give you an example for this. He could feel those things. He doesn't know how. To, he doesn't know that they're going to be of value to you. See, he needs to know that something's of value to put forth energy and effort into it. So here's how it looks. I read this book a long time ago, uh, really a long time ago, in the beginning of my marriage with Bonnie. And what was that? Uh, it was called The Hug Book. It said, give four hugs a day. Well, I thought that was the stupidest thing. But I said, hey, why not try it? So I went in and I, I gave my wife a hug and. It was, I was just experimenting with the book. Now, the first time I did it, she says, why are you giving me a hug? I said, oh, I read it in a book. She's, well, then I don't want your hug. <laughs> that's just what you're saying here. Well, if you're just reading it out of a book, you know, if I, I told you to do it. It doesn't count. Okay. So then the next day I came back, I gave her a hug and she said, why? I started to give her a hug. She said, why are you doing this? And I said, I just felt like it. And then she went and did the hug. Now I just said it because that's what worked. But I still didn't get much out of the hug, except knowing that this is something she likes for me to do. It was only like four or five hugs later that I really started liking hugs.
0: Mm.
1: See, it, it grows on a man. Whenever a man does something for a woman, her estrogen goes up if she likes it. Right. And when he's connecting with her, his estrogen goes up. So it feels good to him. But he doesn't know it's going to feel good until he does it a few times and feels successful at it. He has to feel I'm providing something for her that she would like, keep his testosterone up and also connecting with her. His estrogen goes up. And now I love giving hugs. I It's a rule. I mean, I don't miss it every day, four hugs a day. First thing in the morning when, I, when she goes off, I give her a hug. When I come back, I give her a hug before bed. Somebody hugs somebody. It's always me initiating it because that's the man moving to the woman and, and and then there's skill to this, I sometimes consciously don't notice that she's leaving to go to bed before me. And I say, oh, honey, you're going to bed now? And she says, yeah. I say, oh, I want to give you a hug first and then run. And running to give her a hug, that's a point. Giving her the hug, that's a point. Noticing when she gets her hair cut, oh, honey, you got your hair done. looks good, beautiful. And <laughs> You know, oh, you look so beautiful tonight. And just take it, looking at her and then saying that. It's not fancy footwork, but it's something men don't instinctively do. But if I do it and it makes her happy uh, later on, you start to really feel it. And the the dynamic there is you need to hear. I need you to tell me that you, you think I'm beautiful. And let's say he doesn't fully think you're beautiful. He doesn't feel it. You know, you can say, I think you're beautiful. He doesn't fully feel it. All he has to do is say it a few times and you let you take it in. He'll now take credit for it and now start feeling it. Mm-hmm. It's just men are not mm-hmm. we don't go to our boy, guy friends and say oh you're so beautiful those eight clients are so beautiful we can't say that you know it's like oh look at these shorts I bought them on sh- I bought them on sale you know a lot of things men don't instinctively do but if it's gonna make her happy then we enjoy doing it and it then starts coming from the heart so that's where again the little things you need on of need you to bring me flowers and, and and if you can do this without my asking that's great but I'm informing you now. And if they, if they don't do it, you have to ask again until he gets it that it's a successful thing.
0: And not complain. And, and,
1: <laughs> and let's complain. Just let him know. what you, It's not a big deal, but I really love it when you bring me the flowers. Oh, so nice. Just five would be fine. You, know, just, you, you just have to see the, the issue you're struggling with as a woman, not just being you, but the women. Why do I have to ask for what I want? Exactly. Yes, you have to do that. It's a kind of grown-up. You, know? you have to ask the, the the immature romantic thing is he'll know just what I want and always do it without my having to ask it. And he'll even know what I need and want that I forgotten. Okay, this is all ridiculous stuff. He's not a mind reader or whatever, but but he can learn. And that's the diam. And after he learns, it will start to feel better and better. And then when he does it without having to ask or remind him, it feels even better. Okay. But you start with baby steps and every step will produce estrogen.
0: So the hope is there. <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, learning a skill. It's just coming back to, you know, learning a language is a tough thing until you've learned one, you learn another one, it gets easier and easier. Learning computer languages. I remember when I went from IBM to Apple, it was like having to learn a whole nother language. And now going back, I tried to go back to the other one. I, I can't do it. It's too, too much trouble. But with man and woman, we have to understand How to make it work and then it works easier and easier until you have wisdom in it and then the drama goes out and the passion is there in the bedroom. Quite nice.
0: Yeah, I can totally imagine. John, thank you so much for this interview. It was a very insightful and and funny and helpful conversation. Really appreciate your work. And it was really useful for me and I hope it will be for others too. Is there anything else that you would like to tell to our listeners? Maybe some final remarks?
1: Well, I just want people who want more of this. There's A, a lot of the things we covered, some of it was in Men Are From Mars and some of it was in Beyond Mars and Venus. That's where we get into the hormones. There's a lot more on that subject. And then there's the bedroom. I wrote a book called Mars Venus in the bedroom. This is a bestseller. People love it. It's really nice. Uh, and then, and then I have a website, marsvenus.com, great blogs. My, my daughter does a lot of them. She's really active there. Uh, we have a, some classes there. We have free classes there. We also have, uh, other classes that you pay for. And the best one is, Took my daughter and I a year and a half to write, and then she filmed it. It's called Understanding Men. It's all about the cave, and and not just understanding men in the cave. We covered a little of that today. It's how to get them out of the cave, and how to make sure they're getting enough cave time. And this is like because when some of these guys, when they don't take cave time, they become pouty, they become irritable, they become grumpy, and you feel like oh, I can't ask him for anything. That means you need to get him out into his cave. So you need to just sort of leave him and go do something that makes you happy without him. So there's a lot of dynamics we talk, and she talks about uh, and the dating situation, we go through the stages of dating. Uh I also wrote a book called Mars Venus on a date, which talks about five stages of dating. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful to understand what stage you're in and not to jump too fast, but to go step-by-step. Step. So there's a lot of resources there at marsvenus.com, a lot of other books and, Uh, Thanks for letting me share that, Natalia. And it's a pleasure talking to you. Of
0: course. Uh, I will put all the notes and about the information in the show notes so the listeners can find it. And just out of the curiosity, what are the five stages of dating?
1: Okay. Well, there's the first stage is the attraction stage. The second stage is as soon as you start thinking this person's really special, there's something here. You go into the uncertainty stage. Just like if you're about to buy a house, you might wonder... Uh, do I really want to do this? And let's say you actually got to buying the house. You would actually hire someone to look at what's wrong with the house. <laughs> and so so how to get through the uncertainty stage before you make a commitment. I talk about the importance of not having sex. Tell you, you have a commitment just lower. See you, you're, you're that setting that boundary of self-respect is what makes men respect you more. They won't respect you unless you set your boundary. So you don't have sex with them until you get to know them. You feel you're going to enjoy it as much as them. And most important, you're in a committed relationship. He's not out doing it with somebody else. These are just my values. I teach my values. You can have other ones. But that's the third stage is commitment. Because what happens, there's each one of these stages has their own challenges. Like at the uncertainty challenges women start pursuing, looking for reassurance from him mm-hmm. rather than rather than backing off, giving him the space. And looking for the reassurance that you really want to be with him. Uh, So a lot of techniques we do for that. Then the second one is, is uh, there's so much on that during the uncertainty, not making a bunch of, not sabotaging the, the, the relationship at that point by being overly needy or asking questions, but also sending messages that you're in a positive state. Like a little text message once or twice a week, just letting him know as if he called you on the phone and said, Hey, how was your day? Short little answer and then throw on top of that answer something very feminine. Like it was a beautiful day. Rainbows are in the sky. I love that coffee mm-hmm. and whatever. Something to show that he You're not sitting by your phone waiting for him to call. That's too needy. Yep. So there's a lot of techniques in there. And then there's a, uh, the commitment stage to a man. Once he makes a commitment, he feels like, okay, i am I've achieved my goal and they start getting really lazy. And women notice that laziness and sort of want to ignite the relationship by giving more rather than learning to sit back and ask for more mm. uh, and, and the art of doing that. Just, just so many challenges that come up. Then once you've got that down, you feel really safe with this person. The fourth stage is intimacy. Uh, at that stage, you're going to really reveal, you're going to feel this need to share deeper feelings. And it's easy to feel very sensitive at that time, have hurt feelings come up and how to communicate those feelings and how to realize that your past will come up to you and you're into your relationship and how to deal with it at that time. Cause your heart's really starting to open up like never before. And so how to process that without having huge dramatic arguments and fights and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but also to continue being intimate, which is to reveal your vulnerability, uh, which is very, very important for the woman to do more important for the man to learn, to respect that vulnerability and be understanding and compassionate. the, uh then then comes the confidence when you get through sort of that is the confidence to get engaged and how how to make sure that you don't run off and get married after you're engaged. Engagement time is the easiest time in a relationship hmm. because you, you've got this certainty as your future's insured to a great extent. But there's these the normal problems that you'll have are easy. To solve because you still have an out you still have an out okay you still can change your mind and so they're, they're not big problems but once you get married you're suddenly Trapped. put in the situation where you're, <laughs> yeah, problems okay uh, what kind of color sofa are we going to have you know <laughs> what how are we going to save our money and do we want children do we not want children and how much can we put in the bank account and a lot of big problems happen then they, but they're challenges that everybody goes through because you have a lot of love. But you want to have the experience of smaller challenges during that engagement period, which is the getting married process, rather than just running off to Las Vegas or something. <laughs> go, go through the process of telling people about it. You know, discuss, probably today couples are going to move in together at that stage. Uh But you just have the moving together, moving in stage problems, as opposed to the bigger problems of the, all the decisions of life you're going to share together. So you want to handle with all that love at the beginning, without any history of of pain, you're going to solve a lot of little problems. You learn your problem solving skills, and then you feel confident enough when you get married to solve the bigger challenges that will come up when you get married. But when I say those bigger challenges, the gains are bigger too. I mean, I'm just so so I couldn't be the person I am today, the happy, fulfilled person I am without marriage. I mean, this was the greatest, greatest gift, but also sometimes the most difficult thing to to get through the challenges but I think with this knowledge for most people they're they're able to get through it and continue to grow in the feeling of love yep. that's what we want
0: Thank you. Appreciate your sharing about your experience and definitely super interested in learning more about each of the stages and how to really avoid all the traps along the way. And I'm sure that the listeners will be too. I think uh, every stage would take another podcast episode just to discuss it.
1: Natalia, you read that book and I'll do another interview with you. We'll see, okay? All right.
0: Sounds good, that's a deal. Thank you so much.